Hi, I'm Father Daniel Duplantis, a Catholic priest, martial artist, and host of the Karate Priest Podcast. Have you ever wondered what the Church teaches about different topics? Are you a martial arts enthusiast or just someone who wants to learn more about martial arts? I'd like to invite you to join me and many guests on my podcast as we cover topics of faith, everyday living, and martial arts on the Karate Priest Podcast. Welcome back to season four of A Catholic's Perspective, the podcast all about being a young Catholic surviving in a secular world. Today I have a friend with me. This is Danny Tabbitt. Hello, Amber. Hello. Thank you so much for coming on here. Um, Today we're going to be talking about the Maronite Church, correct? That's one that you attend, and I'm very excited to get into this. Yes. So hello again, or as we would say in the Syriac language, peace be with you. And if we're talking about the Maronite Church... Um, I'll be talking later on about how our liturgical language is Syriac, and um, I'll be comparing, you know, our different traditions. Um, So you're Roman Catholic and I'm Maronite, and we'll get into that discussion. Yeah. I'm very excited. I'm excited too. I think this is really important for people to know about because they don't know about all the other different, you know, Catholic um, churches, you know, Mm -hmm. that are kind of like out there, and the Maronite is one of them. And I've attended an Eastern liturgy before, which was the... um, the Divine Liturgy, the Byzantine. Mm-hmm. And that was very interesting, you know, but it was really cool when at Cantius we were able to actually experience the Maronite Mass because mm-hmm. um, I believe it was a, what do you call them? Core bishop. A core bishop yeah. came in and uh, did the did the liturgy. So that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But before we get into all of that, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners a little bit? Yeah, so my name is Danny. I'm 21 years old and I am a seminarian in the Maronite Church. My seminary is in Washington, D.C. That's where the only seminary um, for the Maronite Church is in the United States. So we have one in in Washington, D.C. It's called Our Lady of Lebanon, and that's where I am a seminarian. Oh, that's awesome. So do you do that online, or how does that work? Because you're in Chicago right now. Yes. So when I applied, I was 18, and I was too young to actually move in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. So the bishop um, told me to go to another school for bachelor's degree first and then I could move into the seminary after I get my bachelor's. Okay, kind of like yes. a little St. Trez of Lisieux issue going exactly on there. Exactly like St. Trez, yes. <laughs> that's so interesting. Okay, cool. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I know it's kind of, it's, it's a, a big topic to go over the Maronite Church, but I'm really excited for this. So I guess to kind of just start off, what is the Maronite Church and how could you describe it to those of us who aren't familiar with it? Yeah, so the Maronite Church is actually one of 24 Catholic churches that make up the Catholic Communion. So oftentimes when I introduce myself, I tell people I'm Catholic, but I'm not Roman Catholic. And Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, this can almost shatter their worldview, I think, for a lot of even Roman Catholics um, who haven't heard about Eastern Christianity at all, even though there are 23 Eastern (laughs) Catholic churches. So... I'm excited to be here, and it's my pleasure, my pleasure to tell you more about my tradition in particular. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's that's important because, you know, when I came back into my faith, you know, three years ago now, I was just like, ah, Roman Catholics, that's the only kind mm-hmm. of Catholics that are out. But no, there's so many types, and I just think that's amazing. What's a little bit of history behind the Maronite Church? 
So of all of the Eastern churches, right, these 23 Eastern uh, Catholic churches, actually all of the Eastern churches, not even just the Catholic ones, the Maronite church is the only church that has remained in communion with the Bishop of Rome. Wow. Yeah. So we've never separated ourselves from the Catholic communion and we are very proud of that. So that's something you'll hear a lot of Maronites be proud of um, and tell their Roman Catholic friends. Um, also, the Maronite Church is the only church that is not named after a language or an ethnicity oh. or a nationality. We are named after a saint, St. Maron. So I can't tell you about the Maronite Church in our history without telling you about St. Maron. That's awesome. Yeah. Did you have any, like, so I know that, like, the Maronite was based off of St. Maron. Yes. Was he Syriac? Was, or, you know. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. Who knew? So then I know a lot of the times there's like, you know, people like to compare and contrast, you know, Roman Catholics and mm-hmm. other, you know, Catholic churches. So what are some similarities between the Maronites and the Roman Catholics? So people kind of have a observation about that. Yeah, so similarities, obviously, we're Catholic. So we believe in everything that the Catholic Church teaches as dogma. But where there is diversity in the Catholic Church... Um, we believe that that should be celebrated. So we have a different tradition, right? And we believe that God should be glorified in every way possible. And we glorify God through our different tradition, our different liturgical language, um, our different saints even. Um, And yeah, we just have a very different tradition than um, what you'd find in the Roman Catholic Church, whether it's our music, our iconography, um, our liturgies, pretty different. So, and you'll notice all that when you go to a Maronite church, when you attend the liturgy. Right. I know that, honestly, I didn't even really hear about Maronites until, um, I think this year, actually. So, uh, are there a lot of Maronites throughout the world, or is it kind of scarce, or what, like, how do you find mm-hmm. a Maronite church? Because I haven't heard about yeah. it. Yeah, so St. Maron was from modern-day Syria, And the Maronite Church grew from this spiritual community, this spiritual movement that St. Maron founded. So Mm. he was a monk. He lived in what's modern-day Syria, and he lived on top of a mountain. Oh. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) He lived on his own on top of a mountain, but people quickly heard about him. People from the nearby villages heard about this man living on the mountain and his intense spirituality. Mm. So word about him grew, um, and people were attracted to his spirituality, his way of life. Um, you know, it's said of other saints, like, for example, um, when Gregory the Great was talking about St. Benedict, he said that he lived in a cave. Yeah. And when uh, St. Athanasius talked about St. Anthony the Great, he said that he lived in a forest or oh. in a fort, in a fort. <laughs> in a fort. <laughs> in, <laughs> we love in the, the desert. So, yeah, there's no forest there. He lived in a fort in the desert. So, but St. Marin lived out in the open. So this was a very different kind of spirituality. He lived in the open on top of a mountain. Um, And he attracted many followers, many Christians um, who felt called to join this movement that he was um, unintentionally founding of monasticism, of this intense self-denial. And um, he even had many women disciples, many female followers that remained chaste in their life. And they were um, some of the first, what we would say, nuns these days. Oh, Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you were saying that, you know, there's some differences in saints, you know, Eastern yeah. saints versus, you know, the saints that the Roman church has. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know a few of those saints or could tell us a little about those saints? I know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
So of those women saints, some that we celebrate in the Maronite calendar, some of the early uh, followers of St. Maron are Saints Domnina, Marana, and Kira. Marana and Kira were actually sisters. Oh. Um, and they were, you know, some of those early, what we would call nuns now. But some other Maronite saints that we uh, have in our liturgical calendar are Saint Rufka. Hmm. She's another uh, nun. And she lived in the... I want to say 1800s, late 1800s. Um, and then we also, of course, have um, some more male saints as well. My favorite saint being St. Charbo. It was so funny when I stayed with some Dominican sisters. The Dominican, mm-hmm. the lead Dominican sister, she was Sister Sherbal. And, oh. uh, you know, and <laughs> I mean, I never actually knew that he was a Eastern saint, you know, mm-hmm. because I mm-hmm. ignore that. it's fine (laughs) because i just i always thought that um you know Mm -hmm. we all just shared saints you know i didn't think that there was like eastern saints versus you know whatever and so it's very interesting to hear about um different saints because you know what we have in the roman catholic church you guys might not have heard of in you know the eastern church and uh, I just think that's very, very interesting. But St. Cherubel was definitely one of my favorites. And you gave me some mm-hmm. of his prayer cards today. And I just, oh, I don't know. I used to have him on a t-shirt. And I used to wear that t-shirt like all the time because I was just like, oh. this is so cool. <laughs> um, but no, that's awesome. And so yeah, are there any, go People ahead. know me as that guy, by the way. <laughs> I, am, I have a really strong devotion to St. Cherubel. I also have a shirt with his face on it. St. Cherubel, pray for us. I love that. It. And um, yeah, I always give people prayer cards. So yeah, my pleasure. It's I important. telling people about him. Yeah, of course. It's important. It's like a part yeah. of our faith, you know? Yeah. I would do that with like our saints too. It's just like... And to comment also on the universality of saints, we believe in the universal Catholic Church. So of yeah. course we share saints, you know? And... Well, you know, among Maronite Christians, some of the most uh, ad- admired saints are like St. Therese of Lisieux, for example, uh, St. Rita of Cascia. Mm. So there are many saints, you know, that are very respected among Maronites that are Roman Catholic. Right. So we can share that. They're like and, intertwined. Yeah, exactly. Which is like really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. I also know that because, you know, Roman Catholics, there's a lot of misconceptions about Roman Catholics. I'm sure because Maronites aren't as well known as Roman Catholics, there are a lot of misconceptions about them. Do you, are you aware of any and could you share those with us? Well, one thing I always get asked is if we're really Catholic. Oh, <laughs> it's that question. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, we get you know, happy to tell our Roman Catholic friends, yes, actually the Maronite Church has always been in communion <laughs> with the Bishop of Rome. So we're very proud of that. Um, but that is like a misconception that comes up, you know, are the Eastern churches like really um, loyal, mm. you know, to Rome? And yes, obviously we have a different tradition. We um, celebrate the same faith, but in a different way. Right. And that's something worth celebrating, and that's something worth appreciating, I think, within our universal Catholic Church. So. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Mm-hmm. And I also think, you know, um, a lot of times people might confuse Eastern, you know, Eastern Catholic Churches with yeah. Eastern Orthodox. Right. Because I yeah. know I got that confusing. Like, mm-hmm. I was confused by that so much. I was just like, mm-hmm. wait, are, isn't the Eastern Orthodox, isn't that that? Mm-hmm. So... I guess there could be like that little kind of confusion if people don't aren't aware that there's Eastern Catholic churches. Mm. Um, they get a little bit confused about that. But what's your favorite thing about the Maronite church? Ooh, okay. Well, to answer that briefly, <laughs> I love our 
heritage. You know, the, the Marinette heritage, you talked about the theme of this podcast being, right, being a, uh, a young Catholic in a secular world and how difficult that is. The Maronite Church has been through a lot of trouble and turmoil, um, you know, trying to survive amidst so much persecution in the Middle East. Um, and then to go back to our previous um, point about misconceptions, even during the Crusades, when Christians from Western Europe came to the Middle East to help, you know, their Christians and, brother and brothers and sisters in the Middle East and to liberate them, um, a lot of the crusaders were also unfamiliar with Eastern Christianity. Mm. And so they met these people that were Christian, but were celebrating Christianity in a bit of a different way um, with their own traditions. And um, they, yeah, I mean, even they didn't get them, right? Wow. So there, there's, you know, always been a kind of a disconnect. And I think it's important for us to have conversations bridging the gap between Western Christianity and Eastern Christianity so that we can exalt God in all of his glory in all the different ways that we can as Catholics. Absolutely. And also because, I mean, I love like my traditional Latin mass and my Roman faith mm -hmm. and everything like that. But to know that there's a whole other side is just mm -hmm. so interesting to me. And also the way that, you know, um, the Byzantines and uh, Maronites, you know, receive mm -hmm. communion is completely different. Mm -hmm. Um and I've received Byzantine communion where it's uh, the host and the blood mm. on a spoon and they give it to you. Right. Whereas uh, the Maronite, uh, I don't know if you want to explain how they do communion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is one thing that I really like about the Maronite church. One of my Roman Catholic friends told me that she hadn't received the blood of Christ in literally years. Yeah. And it never occurred to me that that was something that I was taking for granted because in the Maronite church, we receive by intinction. So I-N-C-T, in, no, I-N-T-I-N-C-T-I-O-N, -I -I so yes. intinction. Um, and what that means is you receive the body and the blood together at the same time. So the, the body is uh, dipped into the blood and then you receive it on the tongue. Mm -hmm. So that's intinction. Um, and yeah, I never realized I was taking that for granted because that's the way that we receive traditionally in the Maronite church. So if you go to a Maronite liturgy on Sunday or any day, that is how you're going to receive the Eucharist. Um, so yeah, it was shocking to hear, for me to hear that from my Roman Catholic friend. Um, and it, if anything, it made me admire the Maronite <laughs> the tradition even more. And so that's one thing I'm proud of. I'm also really proud of um, our Syriac uh, liturgical language. So the Roman Catholic Church has Latin mm -hmm. as her liturgical language. Um, and of, of course, that comes from those first Christians in the Roman Empire. Um, when they embraced Christianity, they embraced it in their own language, right? And that's how Christianity in the Roman Empire um, grew in its own context. Um, and then in the Middle East, the language that Christianity um, was established in was Syriac, right? Syriac is a dialect of Aramaic. So Syriac is Aramaic, um, and it is, I guess, to give an analogy, it is like ecclesiastical Latin to classical Latin. Oh, okay, yeah. gotcha. So it is the language that the church fathers, the Syriac church fathers, kind of um, made to, I guess they adapted the Aramaic language to fit um, into their theological worldview, just like mm -hmm. the Latin church fathers adapted Latin to be able to talk about theology 
thus creating ecclesiastical Latin. So that's how I would describe Syriac. So that's our tradition. We use Syriac in our liturgy. Um, there are key points in our liturgy where we still use Syriac. Um, now, if you go to a Maronite liturgy, it's going to be in the vernacular. That's our tradition. Mm -hmm. So um, it's always been in the vernacular. You know, in the early church, it was Syriac. That was the vernacular um, when the Muslims came and um, established their rule over um, lands that Maronites were living in. Then the, the vernacular became Arabic. And so, you know, the priests uh, adapted um, the liturgy so that it could be understood by everyone. So it's always been in the vernacular. And nowadays, as the Maronite church has left, um, um, grown out of the Middle East um, and taken root here in the United States and in other countries, um, we still use the vernacular. But at key points in the liturgy, Syriac must be uh, spoken. Oh, why yeah. is that? Is it just because it's just proper? Well, it's our tradition. We're very, you know, proud of it. This is Jesus's language, and we want people to be able to connect um, to that first-century Christianity um, that the apostles even were passing down, right? And so we want people to be aware that this is a um, ancient tradition, right. right? This is a church that goes back two thousand years. So we've maintained Syriac in. Um, certain key points in our liturgy. For example, the words of institution, mm -hmm. or what you might call the words of consecration. Those are typically said in Syriac um, by the priest. Right. Um, and very, you know, the words that are said in the institution narrative in our liturgy are very similar, if not the same words that Jesus would have said at the Last Supper. Right. So for us, you know, having uh, inherited that liturgical tradition we're very proud of it and we want to pass it down and we want people um, to hear those words so it's not just there but also at other points in the liturgy uh, for example the greeting to the altar when the priest first enters mm -hmm. the liturgy um, also at the Qadishat which is an aspect of the um, Maronite liturgy that you wouldn't find in like the Roman Catholic liturgy oh, yeah. so there are some differences um, so the Kaddishat is always said in Syriac. That's really mm -hmm. cool. I know when they were, um, you know, when they were celebrating yeah. the, the liturgy at Cantius, um, there was beautiful music. If it, yes. it was mm -hmm. at an actual, um, you know, Maronite church though, yeah. would that music be Syriac? Like, would it be, would it have? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, well, not completely. So some churches more than others, you know, will include more hymns in Syriac. Um, I would say most people, because, you know, choirs don't necessarily speak the language, they're right. more comfortable singing in the vernacular, which is great. You know, it's good that we worship God in every language, but, um, traditionally, you know, our hymns, um, most of them, I would say were written in Syriac and then translated to another language like Arabic or Latin Gosh. or English. And then, you know, we, um, you know, we sing those translations as well. Um, so we have that heritage. We have a different musical heritage than in the Roman Catholic Church. So if you'll go to one of our churches, I'm sure you notice this also at the liturgy, um, our music, um, it's not like Gregorian chant, for example, you know, we have a distinctive musical heritage, um, that is characterized by different sounds and different instruments and stuff like that. Um, 
yeah, so some of our uh, hymns will still be sung in Syriac, but a lot of the times it's translations. Okay. So you'll still get the same yeah. you know, message and the same music. It's really cool because it was really, really awesome being able mm-hmm. to experience that, especially at Cantius, because yeah. it's like your home parish, but then experiencing a whole other liturgy. Mm-hmm. You know, it was very, very intriguing. And I remember when the core bishop walked out yes. and he was like, <laughs> he was so pretty. He had mm-hmm. like the prettiest, like... um just vestments and, yeah. and everything. It was just, mm-hmm. I was like, wow. And you know that that's not like five minute crafts. Like yes. that's yeah. actual. He was wearing his core bishop vestments. Yeah. Like that. Oh my God. <laughs> wasn't something you can just throw on, you know, that yeah. was just so pretty. Cause I mean, we see mm-hmm. vestments all the time for like feast days and stuff in the Roman mm-hmm. rite, but mm-hmm. usually you don't see vestments like that, you know, with, right. I don't want to say yeah. bedazzled, but like, that's the only word that comes to mind when I think of it, you know, it's just, mm-hmm so beautiful and the the whole beauty of the maronite um would you call it a divine liturgy or liturgy yeah the liturgy Mm -hmm. is just uh, amazing you know being able to experience it and i noticed there were like a lot of similarities between like the latin mass and like the maronite mass when it comes to like the pacing of it Mm. in a sense like prayers at the altar um and things like that but there was a lot of things where i was like are we standing are we sitting <laughs> are we kneeling Ooh, that's a good point, <laughs> that <laughs> a is a good point. we were looking at you like the entire time yeah. we're like do we sit yeah. what are we doing <laughs> yeah so the way i think about this is <laughs> if the president were to walk in <laughs> yeah. you know you would you would stand out of respect and the same way when jesus is present in the church you stand out of respect so for us, during the institution narrative or the consecration, we stand up for that. So in the Roman Catholic Church, you would kneel down. Mm. Um, there is a point in our liturgy where you bow your head. Um, but for, you know, traditionally for the rest of the liturgy, it was all standing, right? Mm. And so even when we bow our head, you know, we're still standing yeah. during that point. Um, you know, and this is how it was in the early church. You would stand for the whole liturgy because... You know, if someone important is in the room, what do you do? You stand up. That's right. that's how we take it. Yeah, uh, That's really cool because I remember when we were doing it and we were looking at you and you yeah. were like, everyone should be standing right now. And we were like, mm-hmm. oh, well. Yeah, it's, it's funny because even when we have visitors come to my home parish, for example, like a Roman Catholic might come and they might kneel yeah. for the institution narrative, which is fine. You know, that's perfectly fine. And that's very reverent. But it's just, it's, just our, it's just not our tradition. Yeah. <laughs> it's just always funny when I see like <laughs> people up front don't know what they're doing, you yeah. know, even at the Latin Mass, yeah. you know, and I'm definitely one of those people mm-hmm. sometimes where I'm like, wait, where am I? Yeah. But it's just, it's interesting to see how it, how it works. Cause people are like standing, mm-hmm. sitting. Yeah. No, and that's great. okay. Like if, if you are, um, you know, not a Maronite, whether maybe you're Roman Catholic or you're just not maybe even a Christian, if you come to a Maronite liturgy, like we're happy to have you. We're, you don't, yeah. We don't expect you to know, you know, where to sit down and right. where to stand up. Like, It's not yeah. like you're going to get kicked out or anything. No, of course not. <laughs> do of you course. guys have like a, a red book, kind of like the Latin mass does at yes, all? Yes, we like, do. Okay. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. those can be really important for like understanding because it's just. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's really cool. Um, I know that there's like, a lot of resources and stuff out there on like Maronites as well. You, are there mm-hmm. any specific resources that you're aware of that would be helpful for people at all? So what I would recommend if someone wants to maybe like learn more about the Maronite church, 
is just to visit a Maronite church, yeah. <laughs> to be quite honest. Just go. <laughs> just go, see what the liturgy is like, because it's one thing to describe the liturgy to you. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to experience it. And the liturgy is not meant to be, you know, read in right. a book. It's not meant to be read, you know, on a website. Um, and it's great that we talk about it, but it is something that is meant for you to be um, in the experience of, right, of course. So I would recommend go to a Maronite church, um, you know, you could ask the priest there some questions, maybe after the liturgy, um, meet someone there. Like if you're a young person, just go up to another young person. Like I love it when people visit my church, for example, and they come up to me and they're like, hey, can I sit with you? <laughs> yeah. You know? So yeah, of course, visit a Maronite church. But um, if you do want to look into some more resources um, or maybe some more like media sources, I would recommend visiting the Maronite Seminary's website. There's a lot of helpful articles there. Um, if you're someone that's more like intellectually inclined, visiting the Maronite Seminary's website, um, that would be a good place to go. Okay. Yeah, and also I would recommend visiting um, the Maronite Servants of Christ the Light uh, website. They are the um, convent. They're like the uh, group of sisters that we have in the United States under the Maronite Church that um, work alongside our priests and our Maronite community in the U.S. So they have a beautiful website. Um, you can follow the seminary on Maronite Seminary or, or on, <laughs> on Instagram as at Maronite Seminary. And then you can follow the Maronite Servants on Instagram as at Maronite Servants. So pretty easy. Okay, awesome. Because I know when mm-hmm. I was like trying to find resources on the Eastern Rites and things yes. of that nature, it's yeah. kind of hard to find good resources mm-hmm. because sometimes it's just the internet's so vast. <laughs> and I'm always just like, is this accurate or not? Mm-hmm. You know, because that's the, the biggest issue that I run into with like Google and, and the, the internet. It's mm-hmm. like, I will Google something and I'm like, okay, but is that real is that true you know Mm -hmm. so it's great to have good resources and i know when we were kind of talking about like your the core bishop and everything of that so i'm not sure if many people are going to be familiar with what a core bishop is yeah do you you want to explain (laughs) what a core bishop is i'm not sure even if the roman catholic church ever had core bishops i don't don't remember ever hearing about that Mm -hmm. but core bishops in the eastern churches um are a rank above priests but below bishop so they are you know a core bishop literally a it literally means country bishop so the word core in greek is like countryside um so what it is is basically a person who functions as a priest they have their own um church their own parish that they're like a pastor of and uh what makes them special is that they have this title that's been granted to them by the bishop and they have the ability to ordain um, minor orders, so not priesthood um, or deacon, I think, but I think they can ordain cantor and lector, Got it. which also don't exist in the Roman Catholic Church anymore, um, the minor orders. Mm-hmm. So we've maintained that tradition as well. Very cool. Yeah, because yeah, that's always something that always confused me. I'm like, what's mm-hmm. a, does he just... Does he have a really yes. good abs? Like, <laughs> what's a core bishop? No, that's awesome because also whenever I think of like core, I think of like cottage core or something. I'm like, mm, so it's like mm-hmm. bishop core? Like, yeah. it's an aesthetic? <laughs> no, that's really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. I think it's just really cool learning about different, you know, uh, churches, you know, and the Maronite, the Maronite yeah, of side course, of things. Of course. And um, I would also say like, 
I mean, before we go, do you, mm-hmm. like, um, what were some things that drew you to the Maronite? Mass, just like briefly because mm-hmm. i know on another podcast we're going to talk about your own testimony but yes, just yeah. kind of like a little precursor kind of thing yeah and i'm looking forward to when we have that episode where i talk about my testimony but for me i am i am a seminarian of course so i found something in the maronite tradition that i really admired and um to the point where i wanted you know to become a priest of the maronite tradition and for me it was just really our heritage as a whole mm. the maronite church has something to offer the world, which is um, our Syriac liturgical language. Um, and just our, if you look at our history, the, the things that Maronites have gone through, you know, as, as Christians trying to um, maintain this apostolic tradition that was passed down to them amidst so much suffering and persecution in the Middle East under, you know, so many different empires um, and Islamic persecution and political persecution and all that. Um, the Maronite Church is very inspiring, and I think her witness is something to be praised. And I am proud to be a part of that tradition, and I am proud to share, obviously, that tradition yeah. with other people. And, you know, everyone knows me as that guy who won't <laughs> stop talking about the Maronite tradition. So. Yeah, so I, I invite all of your listeners, of course, to visit a Maronite church and see the liturgy for yourself. Um, hear the language that Jesus, you know, would have spoke. Hear those words that he would have said. Um, and even if you stay after, you know, Mass one day, maybe there'll be a potluck, right? Oh. And there might even be some foods there that Jesus himself would have eaten. Right. So we're very proud of our uh, Semitic heritage, our Syriac heritage. Um that's amazing. Yes, and I love sharing that with people, of course. Yeah. So no, that's you, awesome. Of course. Yeah, I'd love to. Also, just really quick, what were some foods yes. that maybe Jesus would have eaten <laughs> off the top of your head? So definitely, definitely um, the spices that we have oh. in our food and like the herbs and stuff like that. Definitely things that Jesus would have been accustomed to. So even if some, something as simple as that. That's awesome. Um, and, you know, the way that we, um, you know, eat bread and the way that we, you know, put certain... Um, spices um, in our food all things that jesus would have been accustomed to so so if you ever stay after mass and there is what we call manaish for example that's something that jesus probably would have you know eaten during his time that would that's so cool (laughs) we're going we're going when they're having that (laughs) That thank you well thank you so much for coming on and talking about the maronite church um hopefully people were able to learn more about it and mm-hmm. will go discover it for themselves. So thank you so much, Danny. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And with all of that being said, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. I hope you guys learned something new and we'll talk to you next time. Bye guys. Thank you so much for listening to A Catholic's Perspective with me, The Religious Hippie. Make sure to visit my official website at thereligioushippie.com, and while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter to keep up to date with my latest news and offerings. You can also find me on virtually any social media site as The Religious Hippie. Thanks for listening! Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please be sure to rate and review this episode. This podcast is produced by Amber Rose and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyright by The Religious Hippie NFP.
Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Information and opinions stated in this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Please be sure to visit the official website for The Religious Hippie at thereligioushippie.com or find me on social media for other unique content. A quest is a search for something. And every week, the Quest podcast will show you how we know what we know through interviews with people that have incredible stories of dedication and perseverance. I'm your host, Todd Fisher. Join me in this thought-provoking and inspiring podcast of discovery. Find us anywhere you listen to podcasts.